This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio. Welcome to Work Behind the Idea, a series produced with On Strategy Showcase. I'm Fergus in Chicago. Today we hear about the unforgettable bag from the supermarket chain Tesco in Malaysia. It was awarded a Grand Prix in customer experience. Applying behavioral economics thinking, Tesco greatly reduced the use of single-use plastic bags with their design of the unforgettable bag. It was a reusable shopping bag with the simple addition of a barcode that could be scanned for rebate. In the 12 months following the campaign, bag reuse rates jumped from 5% to an amazing 68%. The written case study is available to members on the WORK website. If you're interested in learning more about WARC and its extensive offering on marketing effectiveness and intelligence, visit WARC.com and you can request the demo. So here to share the strategy story behind this uh, case study is Asliza Asmal, Executive Director of Corporate Services at Tesco, and Graham Drew, Chief Creative Officer at Gray Group in Malaysia. Enjoy. So welcome to both of you. It's, it's, uh, it's great to uh, have this conversation around your, your WARC award-winning prize, Grand Prix prize, no less in customer experience. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about this because there's something just joyously simple about all of this. And it, it also brings into play sort of behavioral sciences. It being, brings into play sort of behavioral nudges. And um, and I think it's a great example of some of the some of the simple things that we forget in marketing and in strategy because we have a tendency, in my opinion, to make strategy and creativity uh, a lot uh, more complicated than many times it needs to be. So I'm really excited to have this conversation. Welcome, Graham, and uh, welcome, Azliza. Hey, hello. Hi. Hi, Asliza. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. Awesome. And, you know, I'm excited also because um, we, um, you know, usually what we have here in, in terms of these interviews is we tend to have a strategist on the line. And I'm excited to have a strategically minded uh, uh, creative uh, chief creative officer. So uh, you got it. You, I think you're a first for me, uh, Graham. Uh, in this, in this <laughs> work series, live up to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we will. We will judge you by your performance. <laughs> so, so let's start off. And um, uh, Graham, in about, in you know, in a few seconds, can you describe what this case is a great example of? I think. I mean, you hit the nail on the head when you said about simplicity. Um, but in terms of the kind of idea it is, I think it's a. More than anything else, it's about behavior change. And in this in this case, it's behavioral economics. And just by, as you say, just a, re a real subtle change to something that was already there, we, we and by focusing on positive reinforcement rather than what the category was doing, which was kind of more penalizing people, we created a really dramatic shift in behavior. So that's what I'd say that that's what this is all about. And um, creative effectiveness is, is the key part to that, because I think especially in this category, when you're talking about environmental concerns, so much of it is lent towards awareness, whereas this was much more focused on actually creating a tangible change. So, uh, Asliza, can you help, help our listeners who are maybe not familiar 
with uh, Malaysia and and specifically where Malaysia is located. Can you can you tell us a little about tell us about where it's located and a little bit about uh, Tesco in Malaysia? Yeah, sure, no problem. Well, for those who have not been to Malaysia, but we are in Southeast Asia in terms of exact positioning. It's just above Singapore and just below Thailand, basically. So uh, um, Tesco has been in Malaysia for about 20 years and it's one of the leading food retail brand and, and we compete across many formats, right? Um, our primary focus uh, usually is the hypermarkets and supermarkets and we compete on online space as well, yeah? The market landscape is pretty intense and our brick and mortar uh, sort of players um, offering convenience and shopping experience and, and range when it comes to big formats. But on the online competition is really equally stiff as well. And we've got the likes of Lazada and Shopee, which are marketplaces, as well as um, other sort of specialist retailers online. So I think um, we, we think that you know, customers are spoiled for choice these days. And it means that we, we in Tesco especially have to continuously improve our offer. And, um, and one of the most important parts to differentiate. And I think sustainability is one of the key ways of doing it. So would you describe uh, Tesco in Malaysia as being a sort of a mass mainstream brand or would it be premium or would it be entry level? Because I know that I know that I have, a, I have a sense of how it is in the UK, but sometimes we see where brands that are one uh, one thing in one country are completely perceived completely different in another. So can you, where would you place Tesco in Malaysia? So we are um, the mass meat market brand uh, predominantly in Malaysia, and we, we serve a huge uh, number of, uh, of, of customers across the population. So I think for, for, again, for those not familiar with Malaysia, Malaysia is a country of 32, roughly 32 million people. So I think as we begin to talk about this case, numbers are going to matter and scale is going to matter because the numbers are pretty phenomenal. Um, let, let's talk about how this, this all began. Was, was this, um, um, uh, Graham, was this originally a, uh, a brief about a bag solution or what was the specific ask from the client? Um, it was it, it was the brief kind of got focused. The, the first brief became it was an awareness campaign around the reduction of plastic, um, which you know I think every retailer has that brief right now. You know they have to provide bags to their customers even though they don't really want to. But the issue is is that we've had decades and decades of retailers giving out free bags, and so people have got into this kind of unhealthy uh, relationship with plastic and plastic bags. You expect it, and. Um, the brief for us um, was initially about raising the awareness of the damage of plastic to the environment. So it was much more of an educational brief to start with, um, because one of the one of the things about awareness around sustainability and ecology in this part of the world, we've got a bit of catching up to do. You know, it's it's not as widely known as it is in the West. People know it's a problem, but they don't understand it to the depth and level that we do in other parts of the world. So. The brief as it, as it began was to educate people on the the harm that, that plastic bags can do and to inform them around why that Tesco were trying to reduce it. That was the original brief. So in that case, my understanding is that, that this had not been, uh, as Lisa, the first time that Tesco had made attempts to reduce the 
the use of uh, plastic, individual non-reusable plastic bags, single-use plastic bags. You guys had had a pretty strong success starting, I think, in 2011. Well, it's, it's a mixed bag uh, in our case. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, isn't it? Boom. Yes. And, and I think it also, in 2011, was um, a mixture of initiatives by government, you know, they started to charge on free bags. Some of the states in Malaysia have different policies. And if it's one of the more uh, greener states in the north, Penang, for example, uh, were, were already charging for plastic bags. So basically, uh, that became, you know, a bit of a, an attempt for us as well to try and educate customers. But, but it, was, it was not an easy thing to do, right? Because, because habits, all habits die hard. So what is the thing that we should be doing to attract customers to, to change habits? And, and that's what we were thinking when we, when we approached the subject matter again. So, uh, uh, Azliza, was, it, was this part of a broader international Tesco initiative or was this specifically uh, an, an, a, a, a Malaysian effort? Okay, I mean, uh, generally, um, as part of um, the Tesco PLC sustainable plan, the Little Helps plan, we call it, uh, it is the intention of Tesco globally as well to um, reduce the, the, the dependency and the use of plastic bags generally. And of course, um, each of our countries uh, can come up with different sort of uh, plans on how to achieve it. So, uh, Graham, uh, when you um, when you get the brief, I've got to assume that your team gets involved in trying to understand the dimensions of this. Um, what are some of the things you did to sort of understand what were the what were the factors that were influencing this dynamic, and what were the cultural dynamics that might you know contribute to a solution so it was i mean <clears throat> i think like um i mean a, a lot there's a lot of sort of world saving briefs in the ad world right now and um i think there's there's over the last two or three years there's been a real fundamental shift from raising awareness to actually trying to do something about it and i think quite quickly we i mean the the, the art team came up with some really nice visuals uh, you know which sort of which came up with the threat of plastic and trying to educate people on plastic. But then some of the planning team came up with some references of stuff that had been happening in other parts of the world. And one that really um, struck a chord with me, and it's quite old now, was, um, do you remember the I Am Not a Plastic Bag? It was an Anya Hindmarch thing. So she was like a, a bag designer, and she came out with this bag, which literally said in it in a really stylish font, I Am Not a Plastic Bag. And people, and it sold out almost instantly, but not because all of a sudden people were eco-warriors, but it sold out because they made it fashionable and they made it a positive thing. They made it like a point of pride. And so the thing that we wanted to try to do was, is there a different way at this, um, at this brief where we can actually make people want to do it? You know, rather than doing it begrudgingly or doing it because they're avoiding some sort of fine, the way we framed the brief was, you know, how can we make people really want to not, to, you know, to reuse bags or use less single use. That was the, the kind of the strategic way into it. And culturally, how can we make it kind of fashionable and attractive? You know, don't make it just so, so, so worthy. So they were some of the things that were in the mix as we were going through the brief. And, and so what did you discover about sort of that was maybe something unique to Malaysian culture that uh, 
maybe was an unlock? Was there anything that came out of that work? I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's unique to Malaysian culture, but one of the things that kept coming back is that we really are a nation of bargain hunters here. And um, as Ziza will kind of testify, even the smallest kind of um, bargain or freebie or promo is incredibly popular. You know, people really, they, they would even, it's kind of like competitive saving in a way. Like people will literally drive across town to a different supermarket if they think that they can save a few cents on things. So the idea of that kind of bargain hunting behavior was also something which we thought was kind of interesting. You know, could it be maybe gamified? And, and sort of that bargain hunting aesthetic, or not aesthetic, culture within, within Malaysia is really, deeply inbred, I'd say. So as Lisa, why, why is that? And is that a universal uh, trait among Malaysian shoppers? Or is it just a mass market trait? Well, I think it's, it's universal. It's also about how much value do I get out of this? You know, it's, it's, it's something that everybody seemed to take pride of um, in getting something from doing something, you know? So it's, it is a bit exciting, I guess, for them as well when they, they get to uh, benefit from doing or buying or choosing a particular product. So um, let's, give, um, let's just give um, listeners a little sense of scale here. Um, according to the data that you submitted as part of your case study, uh, the average Malaysian uses 300 plastic bags per year, each person, and uh, just 5% of shoppers were bringing their own bags to the store. So this, these sort of data figures, uh, Graham, lead you guys to begin, and what you've mentioned earlier, lead you guys to think about solutions. Can you talk a little bit about some of the early ideas that, that you guys developed and why they didn't work before we get into the one that ultimately did? Yeah, I mean, I th I'd say you know, the first round of work was kind of expected. As I said, it was, it was, it was creative ways of educating people on the, the dangers of plastic. Um, and that was the, I guess that was kind of like the start point. There's nothing wrong with them. And, you know, there's lots of them that are in the market. But um, we were thinking, well, if we actively want people to change behavior, this education isn't kind of enough. You know, knowing that it's scary, people go, oh, that's really bad. But it's not enough to shift, shift the behavior. And the ideas that started to come through that were really interesting were, um, were around rewards, was around, you know, the the motivation behind this this kind of campaign because when you think about you know there's the there's the bargain hunting culture and it's not and it, there's as lisa said there's a real pride in it as well you know of kind of almost like getting one over on the supermarkets if you can really get good value out of stuff and the the idea i'd say that unlocked this for us was actually which, which we didn't use in the end was actually around the um, the tesco club card so they have the um the loyalty card, you know, your loyalty shopper card that they have and in Tesco, it's called the club card. And someone had the idea of what if we put the club card on the bag? Because if you put the club card on the bag, then people will always bring the bag because they always bring the club card. And you nice. can then, you know, that was, a, that was a really, I loved the idea, but it wasn't kind of creatively interesting enough, but it was kind of like, that's a really smart solution. Because the, the other real sort of um, behavioral insight that we had. And this is this goes for personal as well. Everyone's got a drawer full of 100 plastic bags at home. You know, everyone's got all of these bags at home. The issue is that we just forget, you know, the issue around single use bags is more one of 
forgetfulness than any sort of real intent. It's just like, well, I know I'm going to get one for free at this. So there's no, there's no real um, motivation to remember it. So that was, that was how the brief kind of shifted. It was like, well, how can we make the bag something that people want to bring in, that people are going to remember to bring back? You know, how can we motivate people to bring back the bag? That was, I think that was the real thing that shifted all of the ideas and took us into a really interesting place. So, as Lisa, were you uh, were you a part of some of these early discussions on these early rounds of ideas, and, and what do you recall from the back and forth about what the solution might be? Well, what I remember was the point of club cards. What we tried to do was to entice our customers and say, if you bring a bag, you'll get green club cut points, right? But I don't think it landed, or people, mm. you know, would interesting. Think it was- yeah, interesting. So so what, right? So I get club cup point, it's the green club cup point, but they didn't, they still say, yes, I know, I know it's very important to bring our own bag, but I left it in the car. You know, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't strong enough. And so what, what is it about the fact that we know we should do something, but we don't do it? What, what is at the heart of that? Did you learn anything from this work to sort of, uh, to shine some light on that? I think it comes down to, to motivation for us. It's just that, um, you know, the, the real evil in plastic is single-use plastic. You know, all plastic is arguably bad, but the, the stuff that's really bad is the stuff that just gets used once because that's a real waste. And so one of we did a bit of data crunching, you know, and we worked out, that, you know, even if we could get somebody to, enough people to just reuse the bag once, it would have a massive impact. So... That then was like, well, how can we just get people to bring a bag back? What is it that can bring, give it to bring a bag back? And as you say, it's not that people don't want to do it. It's just that the motivation to do it isn't strong enough. You know, it's, and so that was, you know, how we got to the unforgettable bag idea was actually, how about we reward people for giving their bag back instead of penalizing them for forgetting? You know, that, that's the heart of the idea. And that was the real sort of light bulb moment, really. And so let's let's talk about what the um, um, from a behavioral economics perspective was there. What were some of the the ways that you applied that uh, that approach, or whether was there anything from work in that area that inspired this? I'm I'm, I'm thinking about something from your paper that mentioned some uh, MIT researchers' work that you said was uh, back back in 1992. Can you talk to that at all? Yeah, it's about habit. It's really simple. I mean, as as you said right at the start of this, this is an incredibly simple idea. But the, you know, there, there is theory behind it. And in order for this thing to be effective, we needed people to keep doing it. It was about how do you establish a habit? And yeah, there was some research done from MIT, which was about the simple sort of mechanics of how do you create a habit within people. And they call it the neurological loop, but it's actually a really simple thing. It's made up of three elements, which is a cue, a routine, and then a reward. So for ex- the existing behavior from Malaysia shoppers would be the cue would, cue would, I need to go, household essentials are running low, it's time to shop. The routine is head to the store, try and find the best deal wherever I go. And then the reward would be saving money at the till point, which makes me feel positive because I'm saving money. You know, that's, that's your, your weekly kind of shopping routine. What we did with this, with the unforgettable bag idea, is that we, we hinged on that reward and we, t- we 
transformed the bag itself into that reward element. So now there was just a, a subtle shift in that queue. So now it was household essentials are running low. It's time to shop. The routine is head to the shop with my, with my bag to get a better deal. And then re the reward is every time I bring the bag back, the bag gets scanned and I'm guaranteed to save money. So I feel positive because I'm saving money. And then there's also that added sort of emotional reward of I'm actually doing a good thing and I'm saving the environment. But I think one of the, the insights that we had is that where an awful lot of ideas would just lean in on the, I'm doing something good for the planet, that's not enough for a lot of people. There's a more primary sort of motivation that was built in here, which is that I'm just going to be saving money, which is leading on sort of an existing behavior. And the, the saving the plant bit is just a brucey bonus on top. Was the thought here that this bag could replace the club card or is this a separate program altogether? It's actually a complimentary program okay. because you will still be rewarded on a club card when you use a, you know, when you take your own bag. So they still have those points, right? So this is an add-on basically. Okay, so, so the, when you scan, and we'll talk about this more specifically in a second, but when you scan the bag, yeah, mm -hmm. that is not triggering your rewards cards. It's just triggering an immediate uh, discount or rebate. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And that's so, yeah. To to sort of explain it, and when you present your club card and you tell the cashier, "I've got four bags," and you will still get your club card green points, but when you um, scan the barcodes, then you will get a discount as well. I love the idea that you guys thought originally of a club card as being. As, as being a uh, on the bag, brilliant. And then uh, you you obviously felt you couldn't do that for some reason, but tell us what you ended up doing and how you integrated it into the design of the bag. Sure. So, uh, yeah, as you said, the, the club card unlocked the kind of idea of making, can the bag be the reward itself? So what we did very, very simply was that um, we, in order for the, the bag to become a voucher, because that's essentially what we did, you know, we, we we transferred the bag into a, a, an ongoing renewable voucher by just putting a barcode on it, which meant that if I bring this bag back, I can scan the barcode on the bag and I will get 20 cents off my shop. And I can do that as many times as I like. So that, that's, that's the core functionality of the idea. And then within that became a sort of a design solution, which was about making it attractive, informative, and almost kind of collectible in a way. So, what we did, which was the, the, the kind of the cool sort of design part of it, was that rather than just putting our messaging on the bag and then putting a barcode on it, we incorporated the barcode into sea animals and marine life, and specifically the marine life that were most at risk from plastic pollution. So we had a, it was inspired by a wrasse, which is a big, a big fish. We had a fish. We had a leatherback turtle and we had a sperm whale. And what we did is we, we, designed, we designed it in such a way that the barcode was integrated into this sort of illustrated pattern of each of these animals. So what that did, and that's sort of a little bit of a callback to the Anya Hindmarch thing, is that we made the, the bags attractive. We had this real sort of, it looked like a pattern. And each of these patterns were filled with these either fish or turtles or whales. And what that did is that, it made the bag sort of attractive to look at, a nice thing to carry, but it was also a reminder of the reason why you're doing this. You know, every time I scan that fish, it's one less bag that's in the ocean, which may well 
harm that fish or whale or turtle. So it kind of, it did the full set of things. It made it fashionable, it made it informative, and it made you feel good about carrying it too. So as Lisa, I, I, would, I would encourage listeners to um, Google this bag, or for those who choose to, they can, um, and for members of WARC, they can actually download the case study because the, the, the actual design solution um, is, uh, Graham, is, is really terrifically done. I mean, it's genius in and of itself. The, I mean, it's simple and it's smart and it looks great. And, and so I want to congratulate you guys on that. Did that, was that early in the thinking or was this sort of further down the road when that specific solution came, we came went, to you? We went through absolutely, I think there was probably 40 different designs for this. <laughs> Because um, once, once it's a, you know, when you work in an agency and you get you get onto sort of like an interesting brief, um, people really start to go to town on it. And we we had the we'd already had the concept of like, right, we want to integrate the barcode into the animals. How are we going to do this? And um, there were so many different versions of it, and um, the majority of them were kind of like these sort of like uh, underwater scenes, if you will. So you know, you can imagine like sort of like a turtle, then behind it's like a starfish and a bit of seaweed. That most of them were kind of like that using different techniques. But then actually, it was um, so. What what I actually did was once we had this idea, I, I I put the brief open to the entire network in our agency. So we had ideas from, and as I said, because it was a good brief, the Danish guys had a go, the New York guys had a go, the English guys had a go, we had a go, and it was actually. Um, an illustrator in our Australia office that came up with this idea of turning it into like a pattern, like a repeatable pattern. He was the only one that did that. And it just, yeah, it just stood out from, you know, rather than it being sort of like an informative image, it became a really nice piece of design and it just elevated the whole thing. So we, uh, we get to the point now where you, you have, you have an idea, you have a design, you have a product in the bag. How do you then think about how, how you might roll this out? We, we trialed it in, in one single store first, uh, in, in the store which is nearest to the head office. And um, it, was, it was something that we were doing it together with the store colleagues, right? So we had no paid media um, um, in the beginning at all. So all awareness was actually done through our own channels. So we trained our, our colleagues into understanding what we're doing. We had a, um, some wraparounds around the checkouts to, to tell us, uh, to tell the people around the initiative. Uh, colleagues were wearing aprons with, you know, the same patterns and, and, you know, they were trained to explain the benefits of the, um, of the barcode when, when customers come in and check out. Thinking from a comms strategy point of view, um, tell us about what you guys did from a from a PR perspective and how you rolled it out. So if if there was a if there was a limited budget, then you obviously had to just leverage the owned and earned media. And how did you guys approach that? Well, I think um, I mean just to rewind a little bit on the budget. So the original budget, right, was just for an awareness campaign. That's why the, I think the budget was quite so small. It then just got this head of steam into and ended up in this product design thing and everything else. And what was so brilliant about the, the Tesco guys is that they really put their, their sort of, their earned media behind it. So, cause I remember sitting with the design team and we just kept 
kept getting these requests through of like, oh, we need something to go on the tills. Oh, we need, they've got, they've got this poster space, which is out by the car park. And oh, we've got that. And because we had this sort of like the design system, you know, with the bags and with the fish and the whales and, and the turtles, it was really easy just to apply this sort of pattern onto these different formats and things. So in terms of using the real estate around the stores, they, they Tesco really went all in and they put it all over the place. And that, that really helps with the fame side of things. But I would say the key to it was actually really, really simple was that when we launched it in the KL store, we did a, we launched it as a kind of like a press conference. So we, it was like, we did it like a product launch. So we set up this, um, this really simple sort of like stage and we introduced the idea to the media. And we had, we put together a simple animated film, like a 60 second animated film, which explained the idea, you know, explained the idea about how we, this simple bag transformed into a voucher, you know, um, saves it, saves, I think we had a strap line, which is buy this bag, saves you money, saves your ocean. And I think that was a kind of like the strap line around the, the campaign. And it was the press conference that did it more than anything else, because it got reported on pretty widely here. And I think because of the design and because of the simplicity of the, the idea, the, the media really took hold of it and the PR sort of spread far and wide really, really quickly. So why the name Unforgettable Bag? It, it's about that kitchen drawer full of plastic bags at home. You know, <laughs> the, the, that's, that's where the name came from, which was that, you know, the real enemy in here is that human instinct, which is, you don't, Nobody wants to use loads of plastic bags. Nobody wants to get to the till point and go, oh, shit, it's in the car or oh, crap, I'll put it at home. And so you forget. It's not that you don't want to do it. And so that was the kind of heart of this thought was that, you know, by turning the bag into a tangible reward, we make it unforgettable. You know, it's a bag which you don't want to forget because there's a reward implicit in remembering it. So that's where the name came from. So, you know, one of the things that struck me, and you, you touched on it a little bit earlier, and I think it's a mistake that many sort of uh, eco-oriented campaigns can make, is they stumble on tone. And, and I'm yeah. curious, can, can you talk to us a little more about uh, how you sort of define the tone that you wanted to take? Yeah, that's, I think, I mean, we've just done a different campaign, which also had the same insight, which is that... Um, I guess it's kind of human, it's human psychology, really, which is that there's, there's a lot of bad stuff happening in the world. And, you know, it's very easy to find some very horrific and arresting statistics around, you know, plastic and pollution and the fact that there's soon going to be more plastic in the ocean than fish. And, you know, it can get pretty scary really quickly. And the thing is, is that when people hear those facts, they tend to put their head in the sand. You know, they, 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 it certainly, it, it almost becomes a barrier to action because um, it's, so, it's so big, it's so scary, that it's very hard to think about anything that you can do about it. So you just kind of shut down. Whereas if you can tackle the problem from a different angle and, and, and crucially give something for people to do that's really simple and easy, it, people actually are much more willing to get involved in it. So the, the tone of the idea, you know, from the you know, the illustration and the design system, it's really friendly. It's almost a bit like a kind of, you know, it's almost like a childlike illustration. So we always wanted it to feel positive, never scary. And, um, and it also made that 
and, and give something positive that people can very, very easily do and feel good about taking part in rather than trying to reduce guilt, which is what a lot of the other more traditional campaigns do. One of the other benefits of the way you've structured the whole program is you can most likely tell, unlike other, other um, or you can do it at least more easily than other programs, you can tell if it's working by the fact that how many bags are being scanned when they're being returned, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you can know that, yes, you sold them. My understanding is that you sold each bag. You had to, you had to buy the initial bag for 50 cents, and then you got this rebate of 20 cents every time that you used it. So you got your money back pretty quickly after three store visits. But in that, from a data perspective, from a, from a tech perspective, you were able to track almost uh, uh, whether or a degree to which, which bags were coming back. So I'm, I'm curious if there was anything, any insight that came out of that sort of, um, uh, sort of redeeming the the coupon with the scan versus the sale the sales of the bags is there was there any connection that you noticed in your data yeah i mean it, obviously there was the measure of the reduction of single-use plastic bag for that year so we saw a 20 million reduction of pieces of bag which is a 26 percent reduction for the year and it's quite amazing when you see um you know we do equate number of plastic bags per transaction and you can see um, um, uh, an improvement in terms of uh, bag per person. So we started before the campaign at an average of 1.38 bags per customer. And at the end of the campaign, a year later, we, we saw the average come down to 0.96 per person. So it's quite a big um, a success there. Our aim was to probably just get people to to come back and use reuse uh, the, the the bags at a rate of say about fifteen percent. But what we saw was really impressive because it's about sixty eight percent of customers were bringing it back, you know, wow. to be spend and use. So it was it was a behavioral change, I would say. How many bags were actually sold of the unforgettable bags? Well, it was, was it was a million, wasn't it? Just under a million of them, I think. So there was a yeah. 1 million bags, uh, unforgettable bags sold that converted to the, the saving of 20 million single-use plastic bags. Is that fair to say? Yes. And I, and I think, I think the, um, the insight into that is that it, it, must have, it had a definite halo effect because hmm. um, I think what, what we saw was happening was that people were bringing back unforgettable bags, but also mm-hmm. other bags as well. So because clearly people weren't, I think through the the till scans, they weren't averaging twenty reduces of the same reuses of the same bag, and yet the figures were dropping by twenty million bags. So what that means is, is that people are bringing back the unforgettable bags, but then also bringing back other bags as well, which is actually an even greater sign for success because it's showing that kind of tangible behaviour change that people are now getting into the habit of just bringing back bags, which was the overall objective of the whole thing. Tell us where uh, you see this going in the future, as Lisa. Is is this something that has that has continued to roll out in subsequent years? Right. So after the campaign has, you know, showed its positive results, so the management was more confident that we could go a step further. Because as you know, the ultimate goal is actually for us to stop 
providing single use plastic back at the checkouts, right? But it was the fear of people not, you know, accepting that and you know forgetting to bring their own bags, which might cause um, some discomfort or, or you know inconvenience to them. But this this results was very um, encouraging. So we wanted to go another mile, the extra mile, to try and wean them off the bags at one go at, at some point. And I'm not sure whether you're aware, Fergus, but in December 2020, Tesco actually completed its sale of its um, Asia business in Thailand and Malaysia, right? But um, I'm really quite pleased to say that um, the new company Lotus has um, taken that learnings and we have successfully um, stopped uh, providing single-use plastic bag under Lotus from 1st July 2021. So based on the campaign of single-use, um, um, the unforgettable bag gave us that um, uh, right behavior from customers to give us the, uh, the final sort of push uh, to roll out the ambition that we had to not provide any more single-use plastic bag to customers. Thank you to uh, Graham Drew, as Chief Creative Officer for Grey Group in Malaysia, and as Lisa Asmal, Executive Director of Corporate Services for Tesco in Malaysia. Congratulations on your work, Grand Prix Award uh, for Tesco. Great work, and uh, we appreciate you being part of the show. Thanks for asking us. It was to talk about it again. And we'll see everybody on the next episode of Behind the Winning Idea.